Merry Christmas. Thanks so much and welcome to Fellowship the Rockies. I was thinking uh, right over there during worship. This is our 17th Christmas Eve service. Let me just thank seven. Yeah. 17 years ago, we started out with just a handful of people with a, with a dream just to plant a church and to reach not only a city, but a state, and, and, then, and then even other parts as well. And I just wanted you to know, the day will come when we will fill this place up when we worship Him. And so I just want to tell you, thank you so much for being here. Regardless of why you're here tonight, let me just tell you, let me just tell you up front, welcome. And we are glad you're here, regardless if someone made you come or guilted you into coming, regardless if someone told you they'd buy you a meal, buy you a present, or you'd even meet someone cute here. It does not matter to us because we believe this, God has a plan. And you are here tonight for a reason. Now, if you've been a part of Fellowship the Rockies, you know that I've been in a series called Heroes. And we've been looking at the life of men and women in the Old and the New Testament and just taking some of their lives that are just kind of raw and real and taking the situations they went through in their life and we just applied them to our life. The last couple of weeks, because of the Christmas season, uh, we've looked at Joseph and then last week we looked at Mary, and then tonight, fitting of Christmas, and celebrating a Christmas Eve service, we're going to look at Jesus Christ. And let me tell you why that's so important to me, especially this night and where we're at as a nation and as a country. There is a concerted effort to take Christ out of Christmas. It is not a, and, it is, and, and I want to boldly declare that it is not season greetings, it is not happy holidays, but it is Merry Christmas. And we are here. And we are here to celebrate Christ and to celebrate Christmas. And I know in the world that we live in, there's others saying that we should no longer mention the name of Christ, but we will boldly declare his name. When you look at the word Christmas, you realize it comes out of two words. Two words, Christ, Mass. Christ comes from a, a Greek word, and then Mass comes from a word, a Latin word actually, that means celebration. It means this, Christmas means this, the celebration of Christ. Now let me ask you a question. How can a baby born 2,000 years ago on the other side of the world stop the world, the entire world, for an entire day to celebrate his birth? I mean, even Walmart is gonna close for a brief time. I mean, there is documented in history that there were entire wars that had a ceasefire for a, for a period or for a, a moment or for hours so both forces could celebrate Christmas. It is because of this. Jesus Christ was no ordinary baby. The Bible tells us that God came to earth, and that's bigger news than the new, well, it's bigger news than the latest Apple product. It's bigger news than the man landing on the moon. It's bigger news than landing on Mars. It is when God invaded Earth. And let me tell you something. Jesus wasn't a messenger sent by God. He was God sent with a message. He was God himself that came with a message for us. So right out of Scripture, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, here's what the Scripture says. And so speaking of Mary, she will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which literally means this, God with us. Emmanuel is not a title, it is a truth. 
The good news of Christmas is this, is that God is right here, right now, and God is with us, and God is for us. And, and so, if Jesus had stayed in the crib, we would not have been celebrating this day. But Jesus went from the crib to the cross to the throne to pay for my sins and pay for your sins. And that's why we celebrate this day. That's why the Word tells us, for unto you is a Savior born. So God came in the flesh and he dwelt among us and he was fully human and he was fully God and he came to this earth to pay the price for our sin. Now listen, tonight as we celebrate Christmas and I just want to be as brief and straightforward as possible as I just give you three truths about Christmas or three gifts wrapped up in one. And so tonight I just, I just want to be just brief and straightforward as you listen, you know, sometimes I tell our church this. I'll tell you this just real quickly. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the same thing Elizabeth Taylor told all eight of her husbands. Do not worry. I will not keep you long. <laughs> so here we go. When you look, at, you look at Christmas, you find that Christmas, I mean, have you ever received a gift within a gift? One of the gifts that I gave my daughters, that one of their favorite gifts was when I was on a mission trip in Russia. And I bought those Russian dolls. Some people call them Russian nesting dolls to where you have a large doll and you pull one out and you open it and it goes smaller. It's really a gift within a gift. And really this Christmas, that God has a gift for you, three gifts within a gift, three gifts wrapped up in Jesus. The first gift is this, the gift of forgiveness. The first gift is the gift of forgiveness. Regardless of who you are and what you've done, your life matters des desperately to God. And he cares deeply for you and he wants to forgive you and he wants to be, you to be reconciled to him. And when you receive him, when you walk with him, when you accept him, the scripture says this, is he takes care of your past. Not some of your past, not part of your past, but the scripture says he takes care of all of your past. But you know what I've learned as a pastor, and the fact is I've experienced this my, myself in, in my life, that there are some people that can never get over their past. Let me tell you this. If your past does not die, you cannot live. If you cannot get over your past, you cannot live, and it will mess you up. I remember when I was in the fourth grade, and in homeroom class, uh, I sat beside the hottest girl in our school. Her name, her name was Allison, and all that meant was Allison was the only girl in class that didn't need to wear braces. And so, you know what, I thought one day maybe I'll date her. And you know how that was when you were that age. It was like, my mama can drive if your mama can pick up, that kind of thing. And so I sat next to Allison, and, and I always had this habit that when I got into class, I would take my coat and just lay it over my, my seat. And then when the bell would ring, I would just take my arms and put through the jacket, put my jacket on and leave. Well, this particular day, Allison was wearing a dress, and, and the bell had rang, and she stood up, and just like I always do, I went like this, went up, yeah. And so I lifted up her dress. And so the class did like you just did. The class laughed. Allison screamed, the teacher screamed, and then the principal screamed at me. And nobody would believe. Listen, I was so humiliated and I was so embarrassed because nobody would believe it was an accident. I was mortified because of that to where I could kind of get over it. But every time I saw Allison, it reminded me of my past. It reminded me of the guilt and the embarrassment and the humiliation to where 
I was in high school, and I thought I was over it. And all of a sudden, Allison walked up to me in the hall, and it all came back. I don't know what your it is in your past. I don't know what your it is in your past to where you think when you have gotten over it and you finally found joy in your life and you've been able to move on. And then all of a sudden, the it comes back and hurts you and gives you guilt and pain and all of those emotions. Listen, let me tell you something. Jesus came to give us a relationship with him. To understand Christmas, Christmas is this, you have to understand sin. And the Bible says this, that our sin separates us from God. Watch this, Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of the God. And so, so here's the good news. None of us in this room are perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Fact is, I mean, you can relax in that, right? None of us in this room, by what the Bible says, are perfect. I don't know if you're like me, but I love letters to Santa, and I read all the, you know, in the paper. And here, here's one I came across. One little kid wrote this. Dear Santa, there are three little boys who lived at our house. There's Jeffrey, he is two. There is David, he is four. There is Norman, he is seven. Jeffrey is good some of the time. David is good some of the time. But Norman is good all of the time. I am Norman. <laughs> you know, the, the problem is, <coughs> excuse me, the problem is this. None of us are Normans, right? And if you think tonight for some reason you're in that category of someone who hasn't sinned, maybe you should turn to someone that you came with tonight and just ask them. Just ask them, have I ever sinned? I was thinking about just giving you an opportunity to do that, but I thought we may just digress. So. But Jesus came, what the scripture says, to save us from our sins. And, and listen to what some of the major characters of the New Testament said about Jesus. John 1.29 says, the next day he saw Jesus, John the Baptist, he saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, behold the Lamb of God who just takes away, just takes away the sin of the world. Acts 4.12, Apostle Paul wrote this, and said this in a sermon, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Acts 13, 38 says this, Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sin is proclaimed to you. The good news is this tonight, and one of the reasons that we celebrate is God wants to forgive you. He wants to clear your conscience. He wants to remove your past. He wants to take it away. I mean, his forgiveness, I'm telling you, is instant. Listen, so many people think you have to work for it. You do not have to work for his forgiveness. His forgiveness is achieved, is, is, is not achieved, it is received. It is instant, and he desires to forgive you when you surrender your life to him. The scripture says that he forgives you. It is undeserved. In other words, that you can never earn it and you can never work for it. In other words, you, can't not, you cannot do enough good things to earn it. It is total and it is complete, and you are deeply loved. In fact, as the scripture says this, I will remember your sins no more. As far as the east is from the west, and east and west never meet. North and south do. East and west never meet. And as far as the, the, the east is from the west, your sins will never touch. And that's good. You know what that tells me? My past can be forgiven. Listen, this is unbelievable truth. 
He knew what you were going to do. And he still sent his son to die for you on the cross to give you forgiveness. People say, well, I just want Jesus to fix me. He says, no, I want to make you brand new. I just don't want to fix you. I want to give you a new life. And so he died on the cross. So there's a gift of forgiveness, but there's also the the gift of strength. Philippians 1.6 says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion to the day of Jesus Christ. That when you accept him, when you start a relationship with him, that he is working in you. Philippians 4.13, the Apostle Paul writes this, that I can do all things through Christ who, who just strengthens me. Listen, you don't know what 2013 holds. I don't know what 2013 holds either. But here's what we do know, that we can face whatever comes in 2013 because it is God who gives us strength. But it is who God who walks with us. He is with us and he is for us. And the scripture says that he will supply our needs and, and he takes care of every one of our, you know one of our basic needs is to be loved and to be valued. Isn't that right? And the scripture says that when we're in Christ, that we are totally and completely loved and valued. One of the things, let me tell you something, I was thinking about, one of the things that I place high value on in my life is my driver's license. I mean, I I am not gonna lose my driver's license. I'm not gonna give my driver's license up. I'm just gonna tell you this, I place a high value on my driver's license and, and I've even thought about what if I got robbed? You know what? They could have my cash. They could have my debit cards. They could have my credit card. They could have my truck. They could have my stuff. But they are not getting my driver's license. They can punch me in the face. And they are not getting my driver's license. And you know why? Because if I lose my driver's license, i got to go down to the DMV. (laughs) You know what? And you know what? Because the only thing that you do at the DMV, right? Nobody really wants to go there. And the only thing that you do at the DMV is stand in a very long line, take a crummy picture, lie about your weight, so let's get it over as quickly as possible, right? And you may say, well, wait a minute, I'll work at the DMV. Well, then smile every once in a while and just bless us all. (laughs) And if I've offended you, I'm sorry. But listen, we all have something of value, right? Whether it's something that we earned or something that we worked for. I mean, I just, I just saw an article that, that Michael Jackson's estate uh, just sold a bunch of his costumes for $8 million. One of the costumes, one of the jackets went for a quarter of a million dollars. And, and when you realize that you're valued, it puts a whole different light on John 3:16. Here's what the Bible says. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. How dare you stand in the shadow of a blood-stained cross and talk about how invaluable you are and talk about how worthless you are. He gave his son for you in Christ. Your life is not determined by the mess you made, but the price Jesus Christ paid. And the reason, the reason that we have strength is because, is because we know that we're unconditionally loved in him. Can, 
in our church, we, we, we keep it pretty real, and I know some of you are just meeting me for the first time, and, and can, can I just keep it kind of real with you tonight and tell you, and I know I'm a pastor, this may shock you, but I don't love people unconditionally. I mean, do you? And I, listen, and I know you love people conditionally because in a few minutes it's Christmas time and you're going to spend some time with some people that if you were not blood-related, you would not be caught in the same room with them, much less buy them a present. And every family has a weirdo, right? Every family... Right? I mean, we did. Her name was Aunt Betty, and every family has a weirdo. Every family. <laughs> and we all, you know, anyway. It, you know what? If you're here tonight and you're sitting there thinking, I'm not thinking of anybody in my family. They're thinking of you right now. <laughs> it might be you. You might be the Aunt Betty in your family. But we don't love people unconditionally because if it wasn't, if we weren't blood related, we wouldn't spend time with them. We just call that family. And I don't. But when you look at the scriptures, you realize that Christ loves us unconditionally. I believe this is is apparent that God uses children to help us understand what it means to live, to love unconditionally. I don't care how many stickers you have on the back of your minivan. Your kid is not that perfect. (laughs) I was even thinking about this, and Mary, uh, Jesus' mom, could have put a bumper sticker on her car that said, my son created your honor student. (laughs) So, parents, none of us love our children because they're perfect, right? Or none of us love our children because they never mess up. I don't love my girls because they're perfect. I don't love them because of their performance. I love them because of their position. They are mine. They are my child. And God does not love you because you're perfect. And God does not love you because you've never messed up. God loves you because of your position when you're in Christ, that you are his and and, and he is yours, and he loves you deeply. Here's what the scripture says in in Romans chapter 8, verse 38. For I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able, this is good news for the believer, this is good news for the person in Christ, we will, that will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know that includes you when you're in Christ? Nothing you do. And you may say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, Pastor. You, you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. Pastor, I, I don't even know if you'd want me in your church. I mean, I've done, I've done some bad stuff. Now I've got a list. And you're right. I don't know what you've done. I don't have to know what you've done because I know this. I know what has been done for you on the cross, and it covers anything and everything that you've ever done that he forgives you totally and completely. My youngest daughter, Amanda, um, 
it, her whole life, she's loved animals, even, even to this day. And I mean, she had dogs, she had cats, she had rabbits, she had fish, she had all kinds of animals. And so Amanda loved animals just, just deeply. And there was a period when Amanda was in elementary school that we allowed her to get a rabbit. The rabbit was named June. And so she buys this rabbit, and I don't know if it was the Animal Channel or she's reading, uh, you know, a book, but, but Amanda learns that you can actually take a rabbit and you can housebreak it or you can train it to use a litter box much like a cat. So Amanda got permission from us to every once in a while for an hour or two hours at a time to bring a rabbit in only in a room with a litter box. So we had a cat, she had a litter box there. And so she worked with June and trying to teach June over and over and over how to use a litter box. Well, the day came that June had graduated and now could successfully use a litter box. So Amanda asked her mother and I, uh, says, would it be okay if June spent the night with me on Friday night? Because in our house, all the animals slept with Amanda, dogs and cats, whatever we had, they were all in Amanda's bed. Not much room for her, plenty of room for them. And so, uh, so we said, sure. And one, one important thing you may need to know of this story is Amanda had a water bed. Don't forget that, okay? So anyway, so we let Amanda spend, uh, we let June spend the night with Amanda, and so the next morning I got up and I'm headed down the hallway, and all of a sudden I heard this frail, tired, weak voice come out of Amanda's room, and she said, Daddy? And so I opened the door slowly because, because I didn't want to let June out, and I didn't know what I was going to find, and I opened it up, and Amanda looked at me, and she's laying in bed, and she looks at me and she says, I think June is possessed. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I don't want to be graphic, too graphic on Christmas Eve, and hopefully you don't have a low gag reflex, but that rabbit had pooped everywhere. I mean, it had looked like someone had taken a 50-pound bag of dog food, dried dog food, and just slung it in there. It was like everywhere, and the rabbit is frazzled. The rabbit is all puffed up. You can tell the rabbit didn't sleep much. Amanda didn't sleep much. And so, so she takes and she raises her arms, and she says, Daddy? And I said, why didn't you come get us? Okay, so I told you she had a water bed. She said, well, Daddy, June pooped all in my bed. And when you roll in a water bed, the poop rolls towards you. So, so she says, please. So I, I tiptoed through and I, I lifted her out. But let me, tell you what I, let me tell you what I didn't do. I didn't give her a lecture that good girls don't make a mess. I didn't tell her, you know what? You made your bed, now you lie in it. I didn't tell her you got yourself into this, now you just get yourself out. Or you know what? You clean the room up, and I'll be back. You know what I did? I lifted her up out of the bed, and I got a shop back, and we cleaned up that room. And you know why? Because I am her father, and I am bigger than any mess that she could ever make. And you know what? You have a father in heaven. See, I don't have to know your sin. I don't have to know what you've gone through. I don't have to know what you've done. Because I know this, that you have a father in heaven that deeply loves you. And he is bigger than any mess, any sin, than you could ever know and ever do. And there's some of you here that you are dominated by your past. Because you don't understand that his forgiveness is complete. His forgiveness is total. 
and that it in your life doesn't have to keep coming up and messing you up because of the gift of forgiveness and the gift of strength. And the last one is this, is the gift of eternal life. Here's what the scripture says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Paul writes and says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. To understand the difference that Christmas makes, you've got to understand that your sin and my sin separate us from a holy and a righteous and a perfect God. And forgiveness is only found in Jesus Christ, and that's why he came, so that we could have a, a relationship with him. And if Jesus had a state in the manger, then we wouldn't be here tonight. Wars wouldn't be stopped. Walmart wouldn't close. Traffic on the roads would, wouldn't cease. But he didn't stay in a crib. He went from a crib to a cross to a tomb to a throne. He conquered death. Scripture says that he, he paid our debt that we could not pay. Six months ago, I, I got a notice from one of those debt collection services, and they said that I owed $297.68 to a company that I never had an account with. And so it really kind of made me angry. I mean, what is, what, is, what is this about? And so I said, I knew it wasn't my debt. And I knew it wasn't mine because I never really had an account with them. And so, so I just kind of ignored it. And I don't know if you've ever ignored something like that, but I ignored it. And so then all of a sudden, the, the, the notices are coming quicker and quicker, and now they're calling the house all hours of the night, and they're leaving kind of unkind messages on our phone. But I know this, the debt is not mine. And all of a sudden, I started getting angry because I said, you know what? I'm not paying for somebody else's debt. That is not my debt. That is not my deal. And so finally, the notices kept coming, and finally I picked up the phone, and I called them, and we, we straightened it out. There's a lot of Charlie Jones in the world, and so we straightened it out, and it was someone else. And, well, let me tell you this. Christ didn't come to ignore your debt. Christ didn't come to dismiss your debt. The debt of your sins had to be paid. And I cannot get over this. I didn't want to pay the debt for someone that I did not know that wasn't mine for only $297. And Christ came and paid your debt. He was without sin. Your debt had to be paid. It had to be atoned for. And God didn't send someone else to pay my debt, and God didn't send someone else to pay your debt. He came himself, God became flesh, and he dwelt among us, and that's why we accept him and ask him to come into our life to forgive us, and that is the gift that he gives us. Romans 10, 9, 30, 9, 10, 9 says this, that this is how we accept him, this is how we receive him. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, here's a great promise, you'll be saved. Saved from what? Saved from your sin. Saved from punishment. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says this, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who can call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So the question for us tonight is this. Have you received him? Have you put your trust in him? To where you're not doing things out of ritual and out of tradition or just because you have to. But there's a hunger for him. There's a hunger for his forgiveness. There's a hunger for a relationship with him. 
Many of you may have seen the, the story of the, the New York police, police officer, police officer Larry, that went past the homeless guy and, and uh, Hillam, Jeffrey Hillam is a homeless guy's name. And it was a very cold New York night and he went past him and he had no shoes on. He was barefooted and he had blisters on his feet. And so Officer uh, Larry took the man, took the homeless man, took him down to a shoe shop and he bought the man a $100 pair of insulated boots. And so an Arizona tourist was going by, and so we have the picture. And so she snapped, she just quickly with her cell phone, she snapped the picture. And she posted on the New York PD's website and uh, on, on their Facebook, and she posted it some other places. And then all of a sudden, that picture went viral of a police officer that didn't know the guy, had so much compassion for him that he buys him a $100 pair of insulated boots so his feet could be warm. The New York Times was so enamored by that story that two weeks after that picture was taken, they, they sent out a journalist to, to run Jeffrey Hillman down, the, the homeless man, and just kind of interview him and see what he thought. To their shock, the reporter from the New York Times find Jeffrey Hillman on the street barefoot. The boots were not on. He was cold. He had blisters on his feet. And so the reporter looked at him and said, Mr. Hillman, what? Why aren't, you wearing the, why aren't you wearing the boots? And here's what Hillman said. He says, you know what? I'm grateful for the gift, but I hit them. Because they're just worth way too much money for me. I cannot imagine if I didn't have shoes on my feet and I had frostbite and blisters and all of those other things, I cannot imagine receiving that gift accepting that gift and then appropriating that gift in my life but here's just what breaks me as a pastor the tragedy is this is that many people year in and year out celebrate Christmas and they never receive the Christmas gift see God's brought you here for a reason tonight So maybe he can just stop you in the busyness of Christmas and tell you that a Savior is born to you and 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 to every you that you will lock eyes with as long as you live. Have you accepted God's gift of, of forgiveness? Because you cannot celebrate Christmas without Christ or it just becomes another holiday for you. And you're never going to find what you're looking for under the tree until it's in your heart first. Have you received the gift? The scripture says that you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart. What does it mean to believe? It believes way more than tradition and ritual. It means way more than, than head knowledge and information. It means this, to trust in, to cling to. To put 
my life in his hands. One day, we'll all celebrate Christmas together in heaven. And it's going to be awesome. And you know what my goal is and the goal of Fellowship the Rockies is? We're going to take as many people with us as we can. And I am asking you tonight, have you accepted him and asked him to come into your life? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I just want to take a moment, and like we do every weekend, in just a few minutes, we're going to light candles and we're going to sing one more carol together. But before we do that, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? Many of us are already believers, and you may have been believers for a very long time. My encouragement to you, and this may just be a reminder to you to never leave your first love, that God became flesh, he dwelt among us. He paid the penalty for your sin and my sin so that we could live. That's the Christmas story. Maybe you're here tonight and you've heard that story over and over and over, but it's never been real to you. It's just been a ritual, it's just been a tradition, and you have never given him control of your life. And you may say, I know the story. I've gone to church, but I've never yielded my life to him. Don't go through another Christmas without receiving Christ. Would you just do that tonight? There's no better time. That's the reason he came. That's the reason that the last few days Fellowship of the Rockies has been loading in this place and going to such effort. So if you want to receive him for the very first time, would you just let me guide you in a prayer that you can just pray silently where you're seated. Lord Jesus, I ask that you give me the gift of forgiveness and you come into my life. That you forgive me of my sins. I give you control of my life. I will trust you. I will yield to you. I will follow you. I will give you my life. I've made a mess of my life, and I give you control. I believe you are God on this earth. And Lord, I commit to you that I'll get involved in a Bible-believing church and grow and develop. Maybe you're here tonight, and you know you're a believer, but you've been struggling with your past. You've been struggling with the thing of the past. Would you just accept the gift of forgiveness? It may be that you've been away from the church for a very long time. It may be there's something that you're struggling with. But would you realize tonight that he has totally and completely forgiven you? Father, we thank you for tonight. Father, we thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace. And Father, we thank you for the decisions here tonight. And Father, I just pray that every one of us would accept your gift, gift of forgiveness, gift of strength, 
and gift of eternal life. And that we would celebrate Christmas differently this year than we've ever celebrated it before because our depth and our relationship with you. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.